0: This is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before.
1: My name is Laurie Gregory. Welcome. This is Episode 1, The Act. Andy, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here with you in the flagship episode of your podcast.
0: Thank you. I, I've been resisting doing this kind of thing forever, but I, I knew it would catch up with me, and here we are doing it
1: now. That's right. So, the people want what they want. So we're going to drag you kicking and screaming into and this platform. Yeah, here I am. But, you know, one of the things that was so exciting for me when we first talked about this concept is that you shared with me that you do have this whole sort of room, for lack of a better term, of stories. That have been sort of filed away, that have never been told, and you know you, you're such an interesting figure in history.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but you'll be able to judge that based upon the stories. But see, there a lot over the years, some extraordinary things have happened, and some dark, and you know, some dark tales, and and, and now we have an opportunity to tell them. I think you know a bit of Glasnost, a bit of perestroika, but <laughs> let's get it out there and tell people because I've tried to tell many of these stories in a legal setting and been denied access to the courts, and so it's time to tell them here and particularly in advance of of the new film which is coming out next year so uh, to give people a little background as to how we came to this point.
1: I love that because your your moment in in history really sort of began over 20 years ago now, right? It's been a minute.
0: Yeah, I, 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 looking back now, I first really got involved in this issue from, I guess, about 19... I was researching in in Canada, in Toronto, and I that's where I became... We made some observations there that then translated into a research program back in London at the Royal Free Hospital, which was very, very exciting, wonderfully exciting time looking at inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, epidemic diseases, which were enigmatic. They were really the enigmas of, of gastroenterology. Where did these diseases come from? What were they? They were so terrible and debilitating, and yet we really didn't understand their origins. So and as a
1: gastroenterologist and a surgeon, you were really starting to get into some juicy work surrounding the gut and things that were going on. And for those that don't know the, the background and, and of your history, they really need to maybe go watch Vaxed. That would be a good place to start since you're the critically acclaimed director. We know you're a filmmaker now, but but just as a reference point, this was really the sort of, I think what a lot of us look for in our career, where you hit that stride, where you really, that you're established you have a reputation. You really get to start to dig into some juicy things, and that's kind of where you were in your work when things started to change. Is that fair?
0: That's absolutely right. We were—we'd made some new insights in in uh, the origins of inflammatory bowel disease, and then we started to ask a series of questions, which became increasingly uncomfortable. And as and we problematic we flew for closer some. and closer to the sun, and uh, sure. inevitably, you know,
1: wings started to uh, wings melt, a started melt a little bit.
0: Melt, yeah, so. Uh, we asked pertinent and uh, valid questions, but questions which were deeply, deeply uncomfortable to the status quo, to the pharmaceutical industry to public health
1: and, you know as a layman, you know, I think many of your listeners would probably agree with me on this. That's the nature of what science and medicine is supposed to be.
0: Oh, I wish. Asking back, questions, back, right? That's the
1: basis of what yes. it is supposed to be. So-
0: yes. The dean said to me, as, as I he said, he got me into his office, the dean of the medical school, and he said, if you continue this vaccine safety work, it won't be good for your career. In other words, stop right now. And he was quite right on that. um, How did
1: you feel when he said
0: that? Angry. I thought I'm going to work twice as hard. I was affronted. And this isn't science. This isn't medicine. It's not what I trained to do. I didn't train to not ask questions or not do work in the interest of patients because it was uncomfortable for some commercial interest or some public health ideology. That's not the deal that I was there to, you know. It's like being trained
1: as a race car driver. And then you're about to get in the car and they say, no, you're just going to walk the track.
0: Yeah, you can do this in in third gear. Don't get out of third gear. Stay in third gear. That's right. And in fact, you may have to go into reverse. Okay?
1: (laughs) We'd be happy with that. Yes. (laughs) So absolute insanity, right? I can imagine how maddening that would sit in your gut just having a dean of what you thought was a reputable institution of which you're a part. And he's flat out telling you, just stop. Well, they would
0: so they were deeply, deeply conflicted. These people. I mean, the, the issue was measles, of course, and mm-hmm. and the dean sat me down in his office with Roy Pounder, Professor Roy Pounder, my my boss, and he explained to us how when his daughter had the single measles vaccine, she had such a terrible reaction. They called the pediatrician. He would never give her that vaccine again. And then, in the same breath, you've got to stop this vaccine safety research on measles vaccine. You've got to, you know, it's not good because you know I'm involved with the World Health Organization and hepatitis B vaccine, and a lot of our funding comes from the. Come on, people! Really, is this what we signed up for? No. So <laughs> there was a parting of the ways there as well, and um, Unbelievable. you know it was. Uh, it was interesting. The whole; it was, these were interesting times. It's
1: a covert collusion, isn't it? It's sort of this sort of secret behind closed doors. People admitting that they know the truth of the dangers of vaccination, but publicly they're actually going to say the complete opposite, and they're going to toe the party line and maintain that 180 degree
0: shift. Yeah, don't go near this. So, you know, move on to something else. I mean, there are lots of interesting things to study. You don't have to you study things that. that involve vaccine. Oh yes, you do actually, because that's the story the parents are telling you. They didn't say my child went to a party and got chickenpox and disappeared off the face of the earth, you know, about autism. They said my child had MMR vaccine. So let's deal with that, okay? Yeah. Let's find out. That the needle sound, went
1: in and the child yeah. didn't come out the yeah, same. That
0: it may be incredibly simplistic yeah. You know, in, in, in the cynical world we live in to approach your job from that perspective, but that's what I signed up for.
1: Well I love how you describe it too. You you you've taught me that in your that your history, you're a sixth generation doctor, and that you come from a, a history, a lineage of practicing physicians whose number one rule is listen to the patient, right? Yeah. So if, if your are fo- which, which really is the basis of medicine, you've, you know, you, you've got to know that the patient has the most accurate walking history of their medical experience and their, their health more than anybody else, right? They know what they've experienced and mothers know. So in, in a sense, they were asking you to violate one of the basic tenets on which your lineage as a, as a practicing doctor was built.
0: Absolutely. And it was impossible to do. It made no sense on any level. Moral, ethical, professional, academic, it just made no sense. I remember Walker Smith saying to me, we can't be seen to question the safety of MMR. And there was a similar statement. We cannot be seen to. By seen by whom? By our colleagues, presumably, by those who hold us in high regard. We wouldn't want to compromise that. Forget about the patient and their suffering, you know I just didn't none of this made sense to me whatsoever. And I may have been very naive, but it actually um I think what will come from all of this is we will come full circle back to that fundamental tenet of clinical medicine is that you listen because the patient, in this case, the parents of the patient were right. Mm-hmm. They gave us the clues that we needed to uncover, to unravel the origins of this problem all those years ago, and they turned out to be right. But it was very uncomfortable for us in the interim, uh, sure. and therefore we suppressed that story. That's the history of the way that this will be told.
1: So, so once the dean made that statement to you, that really was the beginning of, of the end of your path as a doctor, because in your heart and mind and your gut, you knew that that was wrong. And, and it sounded like you doubled down on your commitment to get to the truth. And that was the beginning of the parting of ways of Andy Wakefield and practice of medicine.
0: It was. It was a reluctant parting, um, but it, it inevitably came about because you, what you don't realize, what I didn't realize at the time sure. is how pervasive the power of the industry had become, how influential they were over my medical school in particular and how GlaxoSmithKline had entered into this strategic relationship to benefit from the research being done at the Royal Free, but also to control what research was done and not allow that that they didn't want. And that was all part of it. And, of course, all that was behind the scenes at the time. I've only learned that since. So here was I kind of plowing forward, asking what I considered to be entirely appropriate questions in a scientific and medical context. But that was an affront to this agenda, which at the time to me was covert.
1: And you were the tip of the spear on this. I mean, you were really the beginning of the reveal of a lot of the corruption in the relationship between the medical journals and the medical schools and the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, since your experience over these two decades, we have seen the former editor of the New England Journal of Medicine come out and say, research is bought. We've had some seminal quotes, right, from some very... Uh, powerful people on this side of the pond who have, you know, since come forward and question. But we're talking about the 1990s before any, I mean, you really were the beginning, I think, of the shift of the uncovering of some of the conflicts of interest that a lot of Americans, if you poll them, I don't have actual numbers, but I know that there's a massive amount of distrust right now with the American public and the medical system, a lot of that's been driven by the opioid crisis that we've seen the past two years. Right. But, but we're talking about an era. I mean, our listeners really need to know in the context that none of this had happened. You were, you were really at the beginning, I think the 1990s, when I go back and I think about this, we were still kind of believing in the system. I think there, there really hadn't been a lot of uncovering or discovery about some of the conflicts of interest. You know, Vioxx hadn't happened. We hadn't had the, the, these four felons that we have now that are the four pharmaceutical slash vaccine companies that are all convicted felons. Some of those cases hadn't happened. So it might be easier for us to idealize, oh, well, you know, Andy, you heard the truth. No, this was an era where a lot of this was still not uncovered.
0: Yeah, I think what we'd experienced by that stage, what was overt was the thalidomide oh. catastrophe, and, and that was emerging the truth behind the thalidomide disaster. And even there, 50 years had passed before the drug company finally said, yeah, yeah, our drugs did cause children to die in utero, to be born without arms or legs. Mm. I mean, that was a, such a clinically overt syndrome. When a child has no legs, it's everybody knows when a right. child has r- regressive autism or... Some more subtle developmental disorders. It's often... It's more, it's more there. So even then, yeah. in such a in-your-face scenario, it took 50 years for the drug companies to be brought to order. Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, we talked about the, the editor of the, of the New England Journal of Medicine, and and this applies equally to Richard Hall. And it's, it, there's an hypocrisy here. Mm-hmm. They were part of that system and allowed it to happen, and then wrote about a book about it conveniently afterwards, telling them how bad it was. Why didn't they say something at the time? Exactly. Why were they? Why Why did they allow it to continue under their under their control, under their direction in some form or another, and not say something about it at the time or resign in 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 as an aff- you know, Because they were affronted by this going on, they didn't. No. Now there's a the difference between us. You know, they people will say, well. You know they had a job to do, and they did it, and then they made some money out of writing a book about it, you know and it, but I have a real problem with that
1: yeah, and I have absolutely. a real
0: problem with Richard Horton, who was the editor of the last at the time who sure. who whose career was threatened by public publishing our paper um in a big big way by Elsevier and all the hierarchy of Elsevier, who were heavily influenced by the pharmaceutical industry and um when he knew. That the Lancet paper had been exonerated by the English High Court in the appeal hearing of of John Walker Smith, who completely exonerated. The Lancet paper, it should then have been reinstated. The reasons that the stated reasons for its retraction had been had, had the resolved. rug pulled from under them. Hundred percent. It should have been, and he was told it should have been uh, reinstated. But oh no, because that would have been bad for his career, so that wasn't going to happen. And so, but then he goes on to write a book about corruption oh. in science and how much, how little of medical science we can trust because fifty percent of it is fraudulent or completely wrong. And I'm sorry, That's I really just, don't. You buy can't have
1: it enough. both ways. No, you can't. No, you and can't. so,
0: um, but please don't pretend to be the guardian of, sure. of, of, of the scientific of morality, and, yes. and, and then at the same time. Right. behave in this self-seeking and, uh, you know, self-protective way.
1: It's kind of disgusting, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. So none of this is to do with anything about I, who we're going to discuss, but, but that's where it leads us. But it's, it's, an,
1: it's an interesting idea because I'm sure you never thought your path would be this. It's interesting. See, I, I, I have faith in my faith. My belief is that God was leading you. This is all, you know... I love the idea that God is has a plan in the chaos, right? And so. Well, it's a
0: good thing he didn't tell me in advance. I <laughs>
1: you would have said, <laughs> I'm out of here. I might have done something else. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it is interesting, right? That you've gone from surgically repairing patients in their bellies and their guts, whether it's you know, taking editing, out of, editing, editing, editing humans, to and editing, editing film now yeah. and surgically orchestrating. Yeah the telling of these really important stories i mean god and the universe the create whatever you call it i call it god right has given you a treasure trove of information i know you've shared that you've sort of become a priest for the confessional. Well, no, they
0: they treat you as a. This, this comes down to this issue of, of whistleblowers. And yes. So what you what happens is that unwittingly you accumulate these extraordinary stories, some right. of which we'll tell in this podcast that happened to you. But then you, other people come to you and they tell you stories and they give you documents and they, and people from the industry or from the vaccine industry or people from the Department of Health or. Mm-hmm the public health infrastructure and say some really bad stuff happened and here's the evidence. And so I became a sort of repository for this kind of thing because of my own experience. Sure. And um I got to the point where they'd taken everything away. You know, there right. was nothing left. There right. Very few letters after my name and the papers were gone, you know, and and, uh, you just and my that. reputation was yes. in the toilet. And so but I had all these great stories. That's great, and I once I realised that you know n- none of this was about me. It was about something far more important, and so I could deal with the the me side of it. Sure, you know, it was put it to one side. It was irrelevant. Sure, you know, it was let's tell the stories in the interests of the bigger narrative. What we're trying to resolve here and
1: the real greater good.
0: Yeah, the real greater good yeah. and. Let's tell these stories. And what better way to tell them in, than in film? They, and that's kind
1: of how Vaxxed came about, right? Exactly that right. Was sort of the. That's new.
0: how Sport Larkis came about. That's how Vaxx came about. Yes. And that's how the new film
1: came about as well. So let's talk a little bit about that because I, you know, followed Vaxxed from the beginning, um, having been a mom. Here in no Ocala. It was that's hard right. played, yeah. Well, at the time, I was a mom in California, you know, fighting okay. SB277, and so... When vaxed came to life in the spring of 16, we were also starved for that as a tool to try to wake up our communities in California to the insanity that the hijacked Democrats were rolling out and stripping away parental rights and SB 277. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know about that. If you don't go and Google SB 277 in California, then Google SB 276, which is what they pulled off this year and prepared to be horrified. But in the context of all of this, Vaxxed really blew the doors off in terms of providing content in the health freedom narrative to help people begin to understand some of the corruption that's been going on for a very long time behind the scenes with regard to the CDC and what we really know and don't know and aren't being told about children, autism, and what our government knows in relationship to the vaccination program. So before Vaxed, you and Polly had put together Who Killed Alex Sportolakis. We didn't even know as a health freedom community, as an activism community in California fighting for health freedom and parental rights, that Who Killed Alex Sportolakis even existed and that's why I'm so excited, and we get to share this with the world right now for the first time, that that film, which is a little bit of, it's, it's longer than a short, it's an hour, uh, five minute running time, I no, believe. No, it's,
0: it's a bit longer. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, but that film for the first time is going to be available, streamable on a brand new social media platform that's Uncensorable. being Uncensorable. That's right. Blockchain-based, <laughs> censorship-free, yeah. called Sphere. So in fact, you may
0: even be listening to this on Sphere.
1: That's right. We hope that you will be because Sphere are launching in the next couple of weeks. And, Sphir. Uh, Sphir.io. You can go there right now and check it out. Um, but in December of 2019, if you're if you're listening to this pos- posthumously, that is the launch date. So we are very close right now to Sphere being launched. And we're so excited because that's going to give a place, that's going to give an uncensorable platform for our content in the health freedom space. And so, you know, as a movement, that's really exciting and it's really important. But the first piece that we're going to get to see of your work will be who killed Alex Bordalakis, because that's going to be launched. So give us just a little bit of that.
0: Just a little bit of Bordalakis. Well, this is a Right. Super
1: important film.
0: Super important film. It was. This is we we had a. This is Autism Media Channel. Polly, Tommy, and I we had a, a show on on the Sky Network in Europe. And Polly started this years ago, and it was a, uh, you know, how to in terms of autism, how to cook this, how to look after your child, how to, you know, how to get toxicity out of your life, and it was great, but it wasn't really dealing with the hardened Fast facts that we knew were relevant to the origins of this problem. And so we uh, had a reality story where we would take families before, during, and after. So this is a child who was uh, damaged by autism, the family were broken, Um, the whole thing was a catastrophe. You take the child, you get them medically diagnosed properly, usually involving colonoscopy, biopsy, treatment of their bowel disease. And the the family heals as a consequence, so appropriate proper medical intervention leading to he recovery of, of the it's whole recovery of right. the whole family absolutely so it was a very it was a wonderful series, it was going extremely well until we got involved with this boy Alex Bordelakis. and we heard about him. he was in four point locked restraints in a Chicago hospital in total, he was in locked restraints for over i think eighty days or something yes indeed.
1: in the e r
0: in the e r and in the intensive care unit in different hospitals. He'd been put on upwards, I think, of 27, 28 psychotropic medications. It was a disaster, of, of, uh, a medical disaster of epic huge proportions. proportions. It oh. was a really uh, an evidence, if you ever needed, of how medicine had failed to deal with children with autism, completely misunderstood them, still treating it as a psychological disease. And Alex was big. He was 17. He was huge. He was very strong. The drugs would, would make him angry. It would make him violent. He was nonverbal, so he would hit people, he would break things, he would... It was an absolute Disaster. nightmare. And the mother and the godmother were looking after him. The mother was estranged from the father and therefore had moved out of the family apartment. And we heard about the story. We went to Chicago and we took him. So local people got him... Out of four-point restraints, we took him to, uh, through the night to see yes. Dr. Kriegsman in New York where he was scoped. His bowel disease was diagnosed and he was put on the appropriate treatment. He went back to Chicago and uh, he was doing well on the treatment except for the fact that there was nowhere to live. So they were going from hotel to motel, hotel to motel. And for this poor boy, every time he heard a siren...
1: He's triggered.
0: That's right. They were coming to take him away again. They were coming to lock him up again. They were coming to drug him again. And he was terrified. He had a meltdown. He destroyed the hotel room, the motel room. They were moved on from place to place.
1: It was a violent rage, but it was really a fear-induced. It was fear. Rage. It was yeah. fear.
0: He was um, Didn't the understand. poor boy was terrified. He couldn't uh-huh. verbalize that, and all he could do was act it out. And um, an element of pain to that as well. So he fell back into the hands of the psychiatrist. They took him off the bowel medication, put him on psychotropics again. He went crazy. He was then back in. Lutheran Hospital in Chicago, in the pediatric intensive care unit, in four-point locked restraints. And, and his
1: mother and his 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 godmother were literally sleeping, sleeping in the on room. the floor. Yeah, I mean they And the dedication of this mother, because I I have oh. seen the film, obviously, and I mean the love it, it's oh, palpable,
0: absolutely, they and were so and, and so
1: just just tortured, you know, excruciatingly. Tortured, trying to problem solve and just dead end after dead end, yeah
0: and hitting a wall with the medical profession and just ending up in exactly the same situation and trying trying, trying to keep parental control of this boy and not let him end up in a long term institution uh, and, and so it was a, a desperate plight that these these the godmother and the mother faced, and so we left, and we went to try and find somewhere safe for this boy to get out of this situation and to be looked after. Halfway through the week, we heard that he'd been, his insurance had run out. So his IV was taken out. At this stage, he was on two intravenous IV mm-hmm. sedations and one mm-hmm. intramuscular sedation. They were stopped. He was taken, his restraints taken off and he was put out on the street oh, because his insurance had run out.
1: Right. A what a wonderful medical so solution. Great? Yeah, what a too. great system.
0: Incredible. And that's America for you, I'm afraid, in terms oh. of its healthcare. And so there we were. We got. Um, we, he was got put on the street. The next thing that we heard is that he was dead. Oh. His mother apparently had stabbed him to death, and the mother and godmother had entered into this murder-suicide pact, where they desperately in the same bedroom t- tried to take their own lives. They failed. They woke up. They were arrested. They were taken off to Cook County. Prisoned at Britbrook County Jail, and that's where we saw them next. And it was a tragic story. She was in jail for four years before, and she was still awaiting uh, a trial to be committed. And uh, the charge was aggravated murder, which meant life, no parole. You were in prison for life.
1: And that would be first degree because that's she right, had. This pre- crazy
0: mother it. who met she a sat screen.
1: for four years waiting for this four years case. Waiting. Oh, wow.
0: And Paul and I said, well, we've got to make a film about this. We had this yeah. as a terrible, this is the abject failing of the medical system is responsible for what happened here. And if we do not make this, this will be perceived as just a crazy mother killed her poor, damaged child. And
1: it couldn't have been farther from the not truth. Not
0: absolutely. So we made the film with all the facts. And we invited all the doctors who participated, I, I say that, with some disdain in the care of this child. But we wrote to them and said, please, you know, this, we want you in our film. No one wanted to be in the film, of course. And so we told the story, and it, we made the movie, Who Killed Alex Bordelakis? And we played it at a, its first film festival in New York, and it won first prize. And
1: wow. No surprise, because uh, when you see the film, it's, it's shocking. It. And it's quite brilliant that you and Polly had captured a lot of the journey Prior to his death, so you had the footage to tell the story.
0: Absolutely, and it was shot as a kind of fly on the wall reality yes. series. So when you watch yes. it, just you're seeing in the mind. journey. This wasn't shot as yeah. a sophisticated. This was just rough and ready. And sure, and so we um, we then sold it. It went to a uh, it went to a film festival in in uh, Nashville, and it was picked up by a distributor, an English guy living in New York, and. Sadly, and the reason people haven't heard of the film is because yeah. he then went bankrupt. Not because oh, of our film, no. but he went out of business. So uh,
1: It never saw the light of day. It really
0: didn't see the light of day. And, but it served a unique purpose. And that was this. Is that four years later, while well, she was still awaiting um, sentencing, I got a call from her lawyer, Aldo Botti, in Chicago, who was working pro bono on her behalf and on behalf of the godmother. And he said, Andy, the state's prosecutor called us, uh, the person who was responsible for... Incarcerating for her. For incarcerating her and, and ultimately uh, fighting the case to have her put in prison for life. And he said, um, he called us and he said, I understand that a film has been made about this uh, and we would like to see it. And so I sent him my, my copy of the film and he watched it. He called me back a couple of weeks later and he said... We've watched the film. We can no longer prosecute this case in the same way. She will be released from prison next week.
1: Unbelievable.
0: And that was extraordinary. And that was just before Christmas 2017. It was a, an extraordinary Christmas present to have. And,
1: and as far as we know, this is the first time, this in, the American first time history in
0: American history that, ever that a sentence
1: happened. has been commuted yeah. because of a film.
0: Of the power of film.
1: Most Had it not
0: been medium. for this film, it would have been She'd still be crazy singing, yeah. mother killed yep. child in prison for life. Yep same for the godmother and the film changed everything and that was extraordinary and it made me it brought home to me the power that film exerts over the way in which people see the world and told correctly and told honestly and told factually that's what we can achieve, and so that's the basis. And you know, Vax then—well,
1: Vax had you know, already happened by by, the by time Christmas that of seventeen. That's right. That, so you you already knew the power of film, I knew right? The power. But that must have taken it to another level for you when that happened.
0: It was incredible. It was it was wonderful, and it was. If you
1: weren't a hundred and ten percent in yes, by then, right, you were yeah. after that.
0: Yeah. So it, re- it made me realize that this was the medium in which we need to now tell plan. these extraordinary yes. stories. And sad as they are they resonate with people in a way that nothing else could. Well, not yeah. scientific papers, not interviews, not podcasting, just Humanity. they remain a permanent document in the memory
1: Absolutely.
0: Of, of, of of human experience. Uh, and that's what they are. So, and, and
1: how else it would be even sadder if they aren't told. As as hard as it is to watch sometimes, and as hard as it is to tell those stories, even sadder would be if they weren't told at all.
0: Yeah, And when you tell them... There are no half measures. As long as you know you are dealing with the truth and you have the facts, mm-hmm. as we did in in, in Vaxxed, mm-hmm. you tell the story. And you don't hold back. And people would say, oh, I'm not sure you can say that. But, you know, they may sue you. Sue us. Please, be, sue us. If there yeah. is a word of a lie in this, if any of the facts have been misrepresented, sue us.
1: Yeah, isn't it interesting mm-hmm. that I don't see any filed dockets in any court anywhere in the land from Colleen Boyle or Julie Gerberding or the CDC or no. even William Thompson. Absolutely.
0: People have Nobody's said after, filed. oh, they just made that up. You know, if you really? listen to the, the garbage that comes out from the, the industry front organizations that are trying to offset the damage done to their their...
1: Their their supposed reputations.
0: By this film, they've said, oh, that was all made up. It was false. (laughs) It was just that. Okay, where Where are are the lawsuits? lawsuits? Because we've accused these people who committed this fraud right the way up to the head of the CDC of one of the worst humanitarian crimes of all time. So sue us. Right. Okay, not a whisper. Not a whisper. Why? Because they know it's true and they fear discovery. They do not want to sue us because we will then get discovery of Everything and planned. they'll
1: be exposed, and, and your be. claims will be yeah. validated, and their careers will be over. And okay. really, I think for folks of that ilk, it's about self-preservation. That seems to be their biggest motivator. So they're they're not going to go anywhere near a lawsuit, mm. which is why there haven't been any brought forward.
0: Yeah, and the, and the same will apply to the new film coming out.
1: Tell us um, about we the. We
0: are act. going to tell the story, and we're going to tell it unambiguously. We're going to tell it factually, and we're going to. Tell it on the nose. It's no one's going to be left in any doubt whatsoever about what's really happened. What in this case is the truth behind the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act? Why it really came into being? What really happened?
1: Well, tell us what people. Tell us. Tell us what the sort of the we all you know those of us who are playing along at home. We have you know the party line of what the reason was for the 1986 Act, and of course you're talking about the 1986. Childhood Vaccination Injury Compensation Act. So tell us what the party line is.
0: Well, the party line, the one that people have told and one which many, many people believe is that in the face of injuries caused by the DPT vaccine, the old wholesale DPT vaccine, particularly the pertussis component of that vaccine, that there were lawsuits. Children were damaged. There were lawsuits. Those lawsuits were against the manufacturers. And that these poor manufacturers were doing their best. They'd done oh. every single thing they could scientifically to make those vaccines safer, but they couldn't. Therefore, they were unavoidably unsafe and they were being held liable. And then particularly in in, in light of a, a documentary that came out called Vaccine Roulette, DTP Vaccine Roulette in 82, and it really told the story. Extremely good documentary. And it led to a spate of lawsuits against companies like Ledley and Wyeth and the manufacturers of that vaccine. And they said to the government, "Look, you want children to have this vaccine. You're mandating it. It's not a big market for us. It's not a big profit. Center. It's a
1: loss leader. Yeah,
0: we've got these drug companies. We've got sorry. We've got these lawsuits coming against us increasingly, and we are going to go out of business. We're not going to. We're going to stop making the vaccine." Mm unless you give us liability protection and then Pedosis will come back and children will die and it won't be our fault and it won't be our fault it'll be your fault right. how do you feel about that That's that was true. the kind of narrative the blackmail of of congress and in the face of that and nothing scares politicians like the threat of a contagion a plague nothing because they don't understand it and they believe what they're told by the men in the white coats and so they were uh, frightened into, they were led into giving liability protection. That's the story that we're told, okay, that these vaccines were unavoidably unsafe, that drug companies, God bless them, had done everything the they, they could can. to make them safer. Yes. And they wanted to help children but, you know, this is the best they were going to have and to get out of Help us market. help you. Absolutely. Yes. And that's not true. That is not True, and the one thing that you learn about dealing with the drug companies over the years is when they tell you a story, <laughs> you, you look the other way. You go and dig because when they tell you something like that, you know it ain't the truth. Wow, and uh, and that's what we've learned. And people say, oh, yeah, but yeah, they do that with Vioxx and opioids, and they do that with this, that, and the other, but not with vaccines. Yeah. Surely not with children and vaccines. Oh, you yeah. know, really. Anyway, so that's the, 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 the basis of the first part of the act, the opening act of the act, act one of the act. Mm-hmm. And then it gets worse.
1: Because then we start to learn
0: and we really do.
1: what the real story is.
0: That's right. and so- Which is
1: all hiding in plain sight, right? I mean, if you just really investigate the truth and history, it's not like it's buried in a vault somewhere and you had to go spelunking in the middle of Egypt to get to this, right? I mean, that, that to me is what's remarkable, is there seems to be this pervasive arrogance of, we're just going to say one thing, even though history... Proves otherwise. Right. Perfect example is the what about polio question that everybody, right? Everybody. And very few people actually look at the real history. If they did, they would see that what they've been told is a complete lie.
0: It's interesting. Polio is, is is dealt with in the film.
1: Yeah, it is. Because,
0: you know, it's yeah. kind of what about polio? Sure. ever what about right. polio? The
1: one one yeah, question.
0: It keeps getting thrown out there. Didn't yeah. we save the world from that's smallpox right. with vaccines? I what about honest. polio? And that's like the end of the argument. That's like I can walk away now because I've said what about polio? Right. Okay. And so we deal with that. Yeah. It needs to be dealt with. It does. It's a legitimate question. 100%. What about polio? And so we deal with it. And so that's part of Act one as well. And people learn a bit about the true history of the polio vaccine. And that comes back at the end of the film. You know, with the yeah, that was a wonderful headline there in one of those old newspapers saying, polio vanquished. Yeah. And then at the end of the film, where are we now? Mm-hmm. All these years later. Mm-hmm. So... It, it's um it's dealt with mm-hmm. as it should be dealt with yep um, uh, because it's an unavoidable and inevitable question so it's a legit, legitimate question so so, so it's
1: a full it's going to be a full a full film it's going to be a full-length film and it's it's not really a documentary a hundred percent like vaxed was it's a docudrama do you want to tell us a little bit about that or do you want people to be surprised
0: well I think we let's save that for another day.
1: Okay, let's we can that do that. One.
0: But it is it's it's a full length film. I, I saw what was the film that just came out about oh yes, about um um the Irishman. That's about oh, your father told me I was three and a half hours. That's yes. a long film
1: Oh. You might need to take that in bite. I good thing it's on Netflix. I
0: could tell a three and a half hour film with this right. because there's they've so many things they've right. done badly, done wrong, corruption, lies, extortion. It's
1: an embarrassment of riches it as is. a filmmaker. It really
0: has been. You yeah. know, how do we cut that yeah. out? That's just a gem. So good. And yet we have to. And so, on Sphere, we will be telling these as separate little narratives, separate little stories. The ones that we have had to excise from this litany of, of horror, but. Um, we won't be running for three and a half hours. <laughs> so,
1: because we um, will be in theaters. We will be in this theaters,
0: film, absolutely.
1: And we will be in theaters globally. And we will eventually be streamable. We'll have to tier our release, but but we will be streamable on Sphere. So right now, for our listeners, sign up for the podcast, because we're going to be doing this weekly. We'll be dropping a podcast every week, starting this Next week, Lord, first week really? in December. Oh, yes, right. we will. We'll have <laughs> our whole editorial cal- calendar all buttoned okay. up. We're in. We're all in. We're in. We're
0: starting. And the it.
1: second thing is go to sphere.io, S-P-H-I-R.io, get signed up and watch this space because we all need to kind of get settled in and, and get in the right spot. Our community needs to go to sphere because that's where we're going to be able to communicate completely unencumbered both in content in updates and in the ability to information share which which really is the key right now our community needs to be able to do that and that's where we've been hindered It's you know Vaxxed came out at just the right moment really before censorship became as aggressive as it is and we know it's really bad
0: because that's va- censorship was because of Vaxxed in many ways tr- helped Vaxxed trigger this,
1: right. And, and Dell talks with you about this in the, in the film, The Act. And and we know that just a, a month and a half ago, when you were on Dell's show, The High Wire, literally within two minutes into the, the broadcast on Facebook Live, it was shut down. And
0: I didn't even get on. I didn't get Oh, on. you didn't even make no, it. I was in the on. control room, and, the, and this is in the film. And the guy who's sitting there at the controller, and they're counting down to go live. And he said, Dell... Oh. He said, I think they've finally done it. Yes, we? Have a problem. <laughs> That's right. And yes. That was it. So that became the show. Yes. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you. They yeah. just keep
1: giving us great content. Oh, people really. And so... So we yeah. need our community to go to Sphere. We really we know do. That, that, that,
0: um, just yeah. a note on that. Yeah. Get to Sphere. Sphere was actually set up by someone, and I use the, our community broadly, in the broadest terms, people who are affected by censorship of natural health, of holistic health, of Alternative approaches to health, of um, ways of helping nutritionally, supplement companies, um, people who have a legitimate cause and a place in the market, who are being deprived increasingly. People who have a message that someone else doesn't want to hear. Someone in power That's and right. who is, you know, wealthy doesn't want to get out there. This is a place where your message can be heard, and it's my sincere belief because it was set up by someone who saw this coming many, many years ago yeah. and has been developing this for a long time and is... And it's
1: part of our community. Someone who's
0: part of the yeah. community. So, so they get right. it. And, and, so and very talented, dedicated.
1: talented people. Yeah.
0: So get on there. Yeah. Get there because this is going to... The wonderful thing about this country is that when someone puts themselves out of the marketplace... You know, once someone says, oh, we're going to close the door on that because we don't like it, we're going to we forget the First Amendment. We're going to rip that up and we are going to stop this message going out because our commercial sponsors say so, or because we've bought into the public health narrative that these people are bad, they're anti-vaxxers, whatever, that we are going to cut off their message at source and it won't get out Put there an in, end to it. in these public platforms. Well, there are then a 10 people who say thank you very much because... I've got this new platform, and you have just created the business model. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much. And that is the great thing about this country: the free market will allow that to happen, and it will make places like Facebook redundant,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: particularly for this large and rapidly growing. Um
1: Health Freedom movement, health freedom is, movement. it's it's expanding so rapidly.
0: S P H I R get their launches in December, mm-hmm. and that's where you will find not our only community. this, but our new film as well.
1: Absolutely. And you know, a lot of folks don't know it's not even just about health freedom and the truth about what we're not being told about a lot of these pharmaceutical products, but it's it's also about Healthy supplements and natural alternatives that the FDA has been aggressively trying to shut down.
0: Well, probably so, taking them themselves.
1: Exactly,
0: one hundred percent. I have me my supplements. I've just right. got to go to the office, yeah.
1: right? So I could write another memo about how <laughs> supplements should not be made available to the American public. Yeah, I can have it,
0: but nobody else.
1: That's right. And you know we've seen this in, in multiple examples in, in natural health products. So, and the CBD space is another example of it's taken so long for CBD to even be able to have you know, a throughput in terms of go-to-market, being able to get to market, the you know, the, the government regulations that have held that up for decades. So we're really in an interesting era now. And I think being, having sphere and having a place for us all to go. And for our listeners, we really need to let them know this is going to be Facebook meets YouTube, meets Instagram, meets Etsy, meets Pinterest. You will be able to have e-commerce. You will be able to purchase your films and stream them and we're going to launch with Who Killed Alex Bordalakis so for those who haven't had a chance to see that film which is so important go to Sphere get signed up and you will be able to access that film starting when we launch in December absolutely yeah
0: so So um, great Andy see you
1: there your work is so important we're so grateful for your integrity and your character and your willingness to stand up for truth it's not a common quality I'm sad to say it's, it's a unique quality we need more of that we are so grateful to you for what you're doing and for your important work So, thank you and we look forward to more conversations you've been listening to the Andy Wakefield weekly podcast a place where stories are being told that have never been heard before this is a 7th Chakra Films production in collaboration with Brick City Creative please follow and like us while you still can on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at 1986 the act and soon on sphere